Hi everyone, this is it. This is the big one. I've been waiting for him to share some of this. Back when Mr. Doe and I met in the psych unit, he told me some of this, and it sounds incredible. I mean, I don't necessarily believe him, but I want to. You know what I mean? Well, I guess you wouldn't since you haven't listened yet. So I should stop talking and let you. If you're just joining us, I don't know what to say except start from the beginning. This isn't your typical podcast. My name is Lily McHale. I was volunteering in the psych unit at Jefferson when I met a patient there named Mr. Doe which isn't his real name because he doesn't remember it. I can't say I really understand what's going on, but I wanted to help. He was kind and smart and seemed like he wasn't getting the help he needed, and I thought someone out there might be able to help him. I set this up so he can connect with the world. His recordings automatically upload to my Dropbox, and then I add music and make it sound like a real podcast. And while I'm really excited, the point is that he needs help. His memory is messed up, and someone out there knows him. If you know anything that could help, please email me at lilymikhail at gmail.com. I found her. No, I mean not her, not my wife. Alex. The druid meeting, the obod, was mildly eventful. She was there. File 2599, Alex, the Y. I saw her as soon as I walked in. She matched her picture pretty perfectly. I watched for several minutes. She got coffee and she was talking to another woman. But she caught me staring and came right over. Confrontational, but reserved. I wasn't sure what to say. You'd think I'd have prepared, but I wasn't thinking. I mean, I didn't think she'd actually be there. I thought it was just a lucky guess. She was friendly enough. She came over, said her name was Alex, just like that. But it turned awkward when I simply said hello and didn't know who to introduce myself as. Mr. Allen? Mr. Queen? She asked me if we knew each other, like... Maybe I looked familiar, and I said I didn't know. I don't know. She was a little weirded out, I guess, so she just sort of moved past it, past me, and took a seat since things were getting started. She sat towards the front. I sat in the back. There were 27 people there, and I I didn't like sitting in there very much, so I just kind of wanted to hang back. The room wasn't big, so it seemed like it was full of people, chatting, smiling, enjoying each other's company. I I don't know if it was authentic or not. They seemed content. However, it feels like they know that they're just wasting away the time. Maybe I'm just projecting my own deafening torture when I see them glance at their watches or phones. As if anything to interrupt and steal them away would be a welcome alternative. I guess this is it, right? I mean, they chose to come. 
It wasn't an obligation like it is for me. This is how they chose to spend their lives most precious resource sitting through this. Most of them look antsy and anxious. They hope for something different and significant in their lives. Are they simply filling the time, the boredom, the monotony? Not just here at this meeting, but in life in general. They all seem like they were searching. Searching for things that I've seen and known, but can barely remember. But the glimpses in my dreams and the bits that are fading back are less images and more feelings. Like those of peace, simplicity, happiness. They're phantom feelings, like the syndrome amputees feel when they lose a limb, I can imagine. And my arms and legs are fine, but I have these wispy traces of emotions without memories to anchor them into reality. I, I questioned why I went, sat there stewing in my uncomfortableness, my awkwardness that crept up the back of my neck. I had ridden two buses over two hours to sit by myself and contemplate my memories. Am I the freak that's content sitting by myself, hoping that no one comes over? Ugh. I'd rather they point and whisper than have the pity drive them over to make pleasantries and splatter bullshit at each other. The meeting itself was nothing special. People sharing feelings, talking about druid stuff, nature, simplicity, spiritual stuff that seems familiar but not enough to make me think I belong there. They didn't make me say anything, which was a relief. I just kept thinking about what to say to Alex. I had a thousand questions I wanted to ask her, but you can't can't open with that. After the meeting broke and everyone was sort of hanging out and I'm trying to convince myself to stay and talk to her, a man approached me. He called me Max. He was too friendly. He, he stood too close. I guess we had met at this meeting before. His name is Will. He asked me about my research, if I had any new leads, and then he used a word that almost knocked me over. He, he was talking to me like he didn't want anyone else to hear, you know? Maybe that's why he was so close, sort of whispering at me. But then he used this word, and it, it wasn't a glimmer of memory. It wasn't this little spark of familiarity. This was a full-on detonation of recall in my life. The biggest thing that's happened to me since I left the hospital. Aurea. He, he used this word, Aurea. It was the energy I felt when the woman touched me in the coffee shop. The energy I felt in my dream in the conservatory. The beginning of the restoration of my old life and my memories. It, it rose and fell with this simple word. It might as well have been my own name for the inspiration it gave me. He was searching for it, rambling about the conspiracies the same way I do. He was swearing that he had felt it and seen it, but there was something off about the way that he'd share a thought and then wait for me to confirm or answer him. It made me more uncomfortable than I already was, and then I noticed Alex was gone, and so I ran outside. Luckily, I, I caught her getting into her car and said I was sorry for earlier when I was rude and 
told her that I was wondering if she could help me with something, and if I could meet her for coffee, and for some reason, she agreed. So I've got that to look forward to. And so it looked, it's been great talking with you over the last couple weeks. I mean, talking to you, at you. I, I don't know, but nothing terrible has happened. So I think it's time to tell you the truth. I mean, to, to let you in. I've been trying to trust you. I'm trying to get myself to trust my gut. And my gut says that, anyway, you're all I really have. It's just hard. I've lost so much, and so I'm skeptical, right? I mean, I think I have to be. My mind is lost, and often confused, and with it, my instincts, they all seem off, like I can't trust them either, but it's been a couple weeks, and I like talking with you. You've had plenty of chances to turn me in, and you haven't. And I go back and forth, but I've decided to go out on a limb and trust you. I mean, really trust you with the truth. I started to get into it on the first day when we met through this thing, but we got interrupted. Anyway, you know I need your help. My wife, the... Well, you know. I think I know why she was killed. I mean, I don't exactly know why, but I know what it had to do with. And if you're going to help me, really help me, then there's... There's no point in beating around the bush any longer. Before, I asked you to make me a promise. And I still need you to make that promise. I need you to be honest. You can't be afraid to, to tell me I'm wrong, that, that you don't believe me, and that you think I'm foolish, but... You can't be afraid of the truth either. You have to have an open mind and keep it that way, because what I'm about to tell you requires that, so please. That's the only way any of this will work. That's the only way we get through this and get the answers we need. There's something they don't think I remembered. Something that they don't want getting out. It's hard to explain, especially with the holes in my memory, and I, I kept thinking that more would fill in and that I'd be able to explain this more, but instead of telling you, I'm going to try and, and show you. Can you close your eyes for me? I, I know I can't tell if you're lying. I, I can't see you, but it's part of the trust that we share now. We just need to take a second to slow down. So... Go ahead. Close your eyes. Just take a second, okay? Do you feel it? That awkwardness in the world. The itchy uncomfortableness. Like wool on bare skin or a shoe on the wrong foot. That feeling that Something's not right. I think you have. I think you've felt it for a long time. You, you try to ignore it when you go to school or work, when you eat dinner and Instagram. 
you fight it when you take promotions and buy cars and iPads and build walk-in closets. Even self-medicate to, to numb it with television and booze, prescription drugs and social media. But when you sit in traffic or, or lay in bed in those moments just before you fall asleep, in those scarce, melancholy silences, you can't ignore it. It slips into your mind in a whisper and you feel it. The yearning, the emptiness, the dim spark that begs for light and that voice in the back of your mind pleads to you. There's more to life than this. That there's a reason you feel like you don't fit. But you didn't know if it mattered. And while you run around playing their games and living life by the rules they continually change to keep you where you are, you try to convince yourself that it doesn't. I'm here to tell you that it does. It matters more than you ever thought it could. What if I told you there was a place where it was different, where you could be different, be something more? where you could skip the drudging monotony of the hamster wheel and embrace a life that goes farther, deeper, unshackled by the reins of our societal limitations and hindered expectations, where you could participate in the next evolution of humanity. No, this is not the Matrix, okay? There's no magical Hogwarts or Breakbills or Narnia or any of those imaginary fantasies. And... I'm not Tyler Durden or Mr. Robot. There is something. Something real. Somewhere real. I, I found it before. In my past life. And, and, and I know I can find it again. There are pieces of the puzzle. The, the memories. And I can feel that I've seen it put together. But some of the pieces were stolen from me. And... This is why I need your help, to put what I have together again. So that we can find it, together. The, the numbers, they're, they're the key to this. I, I know, alright? I, I hear what I'm saying. I know it sounds crazy. But this is what Dr. Carroll was after in the hospital. This is what they were afraid I remembered. But you promised to have an open mind, remember? I can feel your doubts. I, I get that this sounds ridiculous, but please, don't rule it out so quickly. You can't. That, that's exactly what they're banking on. You write me off, and this all goes away, and, and they win. Which means we lose whether you believe me or not. You can't deny that things are only getting worse. You know, we were told after 9-11 to go shopping. We were taught what we needed. That we were entitled to the the finer things, that success and happiness rises and falls with our nation's GDP and the zeros in our paychecks. Every year the companies get bigger, the government gets more intrusive, the advertisers more aggressive, and every year we get beat down and our voices get smaller, our independence more fleeting. Where does the line between the corporations and the government end? You think Trump is here to break those ties? Ask yourself, are we closer or further away from living in a new world order corporatocracy than we were before? 
So, you have a choice. Sitting right in front of you like a piece of pie that you don't know whether to eat or not. You can't see through the crust. You just have to have faith. I'm here. I'm stuck in this nightmare with no one and nothing but you. You have a choice to believe me and help me or not. Ultimately, it's no different than the hundreds of choices we make every day, under the illusion that we are somehow in control of our own lives, that we've chosen this path that we're on. But secretly, we've been left with the table scraps of choice. We choose between crumbs dropped through the cracks of the table where the powerful sit and dine and make the real choices. Sometimes, however, in rare cases, we can find a way to use the scraps we've been given and change the world. This time, your choice is real. Disappear back into the hamster wheel or help me take back the real choices. It's no accident we live our lives in the dark. Change is scary. Those at the top pulling their little strings like things the way they are. They may keep their hands clean, but they find those who don't mind getting dirty. Like those who killed my wife. They're around. You may have seen them. If they know about this, they might know about you too. So pay close enough attention out there and you'll see them too. You have to be careful now. I can't warn you enough. I don't want what happened to me to happen to you. So give it some thought. I'll be here. There it is. What did I tell you? That's all he recorded, though. I never know when he's going to record again, but I set it up so you can subscribe to get it whenever he does. In the meantime, I want to help get the word out for Mr. Doe as much as possible, so I'm on all the normal social media channels. Please help us spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the hashtag unerasable. Also, if you feel inspired to write a review, that'd be really great. It may not exactly help Mr. Doe, but it'll keep me inspired. I'm trying my best to make it sound like a real podcast and keep everybody interested. And as always, if you know anything that might help, email me at lilymchale at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website now too at unerasable.com. Thanks, and see you next time.